the big shift right now in technology is AI. And I see it on par with the invention of the internet, invention of email, mobile phones. This is as significant of a technology shift. Hey folks, I'm Clayton Collins, CEO at HW Media and your host for the Housing News Podcast. Today, I have the opportunity to interview a really incredible real estate technology entrepreneur, Multi Kramer, the CEO and founder of Luxury Presence. We're having this conversation on the heels of a really big fundraising announcement and the launch of a new product. Today's conversation focuses in on the fundraising the product, the rationale and the problem he's trying to solve for real estate agents and Multi's focus on design and marketing strategy. The conversation ventures into talking about artificial intelligence and how mortgage, real estate, housing, and tech professionals should think about AI in today's environment. I love this conversation with Multi and hope you find value in today's interview with Multi Kramer, CEO and founder of Luxury Presence. So Brenna, as we get ready for Housing Wire Annual, which is coming up on October 10th, I've been so focused on our speakers and the content and helping set up commercial opportunities for our attendees and sponsors to interact. I haven't had a chance to really focus on the fun side of the event, which is one of the things that I think our team at HW does really well. So give us a glimpse into the community side of Housing Wire Annual. Clayton, you're going to love these. And I'm really hopeful that our audience is going to love these as well, mainly being that um, we have a great a diversity of places for you to join us in the networking opportunity. So whether you want to join us at a wine tasting event from our partners, Mortgage Connect, to we have our Tuesday party with class valuation, or if you're a night owl, like probably Clayton and I, we like to stay out um, with our audience late in our community. You have the Tuesday night late party with milestones to maybe some more competitive areas, which is our showing time pickleball tournament. And maybe this time Clayton, will see you on our court. I had a conflict for a board meeting at our, our last pickleball tournament, but I'm going to try to clear the afternoon this year. So, Brenna, we're also working on one more networking opportunity with a, a charitable component. So we've been working with an organization in Dallas called Housing Forward, and we'd like to pull together a another kind of competitive event at, at HWA, pull out the athletic and competitive side of our audience members. We're working on planning that right now. So if you or your company are interested in sponsoring or participating, give Brenna and I a shout. We'd be happy to, to preview the idea um, Brenna, where can folks go to learn more and sign up for Housing Wire Annual? Housingwireannual.com is your one-stop shop to register, learn more, and figure out who all the speakers are and your peers in the room. So go there. Like I said, housingwireannual.com. See you on October 10th. All right, Malti, thank you for joining me for an episode of the Housing News Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. So we're recording this after a few pretty big announcements from you and your organization. And I'm confident that most of the headlines are going to focus in on this $25.9 million Series B. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Um, And this was the $25 million Series B was actually... A while back, this was our Series B one, which was which added another nineteen point two million. So that's the one we announced yesterday. Okay, 
I missed that detail. Okay, so when was the B announced, the initial 25? The B was announced in 2021. And then the B1 was announced yesterday. Okay, so what's the rationale on on doing a B1? Like how does that how, how does that fit into the operating strategy? Yeah, we um it was an up round, so um we raised uh, additional capital at a significantly higher valuation than the series B, but the round was a little bit smaller than the series B, so we decided to call it a B1. Could have called it a series C, does not really matter, but the capital is going towards uh product development primarily, so we're accelerating a lot of the the R&D we're doing. Excellent. And that's what I wanted to get to. So I was going to say that I think a lot of the headlines will focus on the number, the capital raise, but ultimately as operators, we both understand that the the money is a tool to to achieve something. So, so let's talk about that. What did you, com- coming out of the series B, um, what, was you, what were you trying to raise money for? What did you need to build and achieve? And then how did that change? Or like, what does that lead to with this new B1? What are you trying to achieve with this new capital raise? Yeah, so the the series B was really um a way for us to continue to support the growth we were seeing. We tripled in 2021. We again doubled last year as a company. We now have over 9,000 clients, agents, teams, brokerages, and we needed to scale the team to support those clients and we wanted to build additional products which we did between the series B in tw- in 2021 and now, uh, primarily focused on our marketing platform. So we built a digital CMA tool. We built uh, a property websites tool. We launched our enterprise feature set for brokerages earlier this year. And now with this new round of funding, we are investing in our new product, which was the second really exciting announcement yesterday, our new mobile platform, uh, which is called Presence Copilot. And it is a tool for agents to collaborate with their clients and a an AI-powered mobile assistant for agents that helps them with daily tasks when they're on the go. Pretty incredible. So when did the vision for Copilot come together? Was that like client demand or like how, how did you uncover this, this idea? Yeah, so the backstory is pretty unique. We had one of our longtime clients, Don McKenna, who was one of our first clients actually back in 2016. And she has scaled her business amazingly well, has tripled it since then, has branched into five new markets. She was the number four team in the entire country, uh, medium-sized team in the entire country last year. She's on our, our Real Trends ranking. I, I saw that I saw that in there. Yeah. So she built an app over the last two years and brought it to me last year and showed me, hey, here's a prototype. I've been planning on using this for my team, but it's beyond what I thought it would be. And I think we can scale this and it will be beneficial to a lot of agents. And we had been looking at the agent client collaboration space and had done some work in that area. And so we decided to acquire the app layer, redesign the whole thing. So it's all a completely new user interface, a lot of new features. We layered our AI capabilities on top. And so now we have this really powerful tool that's inspired and really started with a real estate agent. So it solves the problems she saw and the problems her team faces incredibly well, while also bringing some of this really cutting edge technology. So was the B1 uh, partially used for the acquisition or was that taken care of from the the initial B round and now you're in build stage with like the, the tech and capabilities that Dawn and her team had already like started pulling together? Yeah, some of the the B was used for that. Um, the, the acquisition took place last year, so this round is really 
meant to continue to scale this this product and add to our R&D headcount um, to be able to accelerate it. We're getting incredible demand already. It's been less than 24 hours and we are, have already over a thousand uh, people on the wait list for this app. So the, the client response has been incredible. The, um, the marketing, the video, like explaining Copilot and explaining um, what you're launching and the capabilities you're bringing was like really phenomenal. So I, I want to start with having you walk us through Presence Copilot and like exactly what agents will benefit from if they're lucky enough to get off this thousand person wait list. And I also want to talk about the marketing because it's like really a phenomenal job. So you want to, you want to start off with the product? Yeah. And thanks for the kind words. Um, so the product, there are a number of features, but I want to highlight three. So the first is the client collaboration feature. So this is where an agent and a client, the client's family, if the agent has multiple um, team members, they can all come together in a shared space. We call the shared space boards. And similar to a Pinterest board, you can share any type of resources, materials, and of course, listings and safe searches with the client. And the idea behind it was really, we wanted to give the agent a place to provide unique value to their clients. And right now this happens via texts, via emails, via phone calls. And so we're bringing that into one centralized place that's really streamlined for the consumer. There's a notes feature. So agents can create these unique notes if they have a list of contractors that they would recommend or want to provide information about local schools or anything else in their market, they can add it to the board and the consumer is made aware. Same thing when a new listing hits the market, you've created a safe search, both get notified and the search takes place in that one place. So that's collaborate, uh, collaborative search. The second um, really cool and unique feature about this is the branded consumer app. So the agent can actually launch or the team can launch a white labeled version of the app on the app store under their own business name. Um, so if you go to the app store, soon you'll be able to find the Donna Kenna app and she can invite all of her clients to her own app experience. And then where the AI comes in is in a number of ways. One is our market insights feature. So an agent can select an area on the map and the AI will come up with relevant market stats, generate them based on MLS data and the agent when they're on the go can share it with clients um, if there's a question, what did the house down the street sell for? They can just ask the app, what was the most expensive home on this block? And the app will find the information and serve it up to the agent. Um, the second way we're using AI is um, in our notes feature. So um, agents can record a voice note and the AI will transcribe the note, summarize it, and attach it to the client's profile. It can even create safe searches on the agent's behalf. It can send listings to the client on the agent's behalf. So it really serves like your own 24-7 assistant in your pocket that can help with some of these admin and more tedious tasks. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a really comprehensive platform, but the two main key features are around collaborative search and the AI-powered uh, assistant tools. What have you learned about like consumer preference and consumer adoption for a, a a branded uh, search app. And I kind of asked asking under the context of in our experience in the mortgage industry, we've seen a lot of lenders and originators kind of attempt to bring uh, collaborative mortgage apps to the consumer uh, with, with not a lot of success. Not a lot of consumers feel the need to have like a, a an app for a singular transaction. 
but I recognize the real estate relationship is a little bit different. So give us, give us a glimpse into consumer preference and adoption here. Yeah, we've done a lot of testing. And the reason why we designed these boards the way we did with all of this flexibility was because we we definitely realized that sharing listings is not enough to get a consumer excited about using an app the agent recommends. That's part of it, but you really need to provide additional value. And so this tool gives the agent the ability to do that, to share information that only they have, whether it's, again, list of contractors, any unique information you want to share with the buyer. We also have a feature on the roadmap um, that we're going to launch later in the year, which is off-market listings. So an agent will be able to share off-market listings privately and securely through the app. So from the consumer perspective, we need to give you reasons to join the app beyond just the data that you can find on Zillow or Redfin, right? And so that's what we're trying to do. Um, we also will have a web-based version. So if a consumer does not want to download an app, um, the agent can still work with them in a web-based setting. So to, what, what's the expected like timeline of consumer utilization of the app? So like I'm, let's use Dawn as an example. I want to buy a a big suburban house in the, the northern suburbs of Chicago. And I call up Don's team and they, they onboard me onto to co-pilot. What should my, like, what are, what are my consumer behaviors going to look like? And when does that end? When do I hit delete and like kind of move on from the, the co-pilot experience? Yeah. So you'll, you'll receive a link from Don inviting you to the app. You'll download her app from the app store. And then as soon as you access the app, you have this curated experience that she's created already with relevant content specific to you and what you need. The hope is that uh, the, the consumer stays on the app and we don't want agents to just think about the transaction. We want them to think about the relationship long-term. And the reason why someone like Don McKenna is so successful, it's because she is creating this amazing experience for our clients, which is driving repeat and referral business for her long-term. And, um, this app allows agents to do that. Um, bringing the consumer into the app then provides a place where they can stay in touch with um, the client long term. And hopefully when they come back to market, you know, eight, 10 years later, they choose to go with the same agent because the experience was so phenomenal. Yeah. So uh, I think you mentioned like, like contractors and referrals, like what, what, what keeps a consumer in the app? Like, what, are there any other like data points or, um, or like, home search curiosities like why would someone like stay engaged it considering that like the average homeowner the time in home is extended it used to be five or six years we're up to a decade now like how do you keep a consumer engaged so they call don again um for that next transaction yeah it's really sharing valuable data insights and there is a bit of just that curiosity of if the neighbor's home sells you want to know what it's sold for uh, if the market trends in one way or another, you know, that's the type of information that consumers are always curious about, even if they're not looking to buy or sell. It's a great way to stay in touch with consumers. So the app makes it really easy for agents to generate these insights and share it with consumers, even past the transaction. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see the impact of that. My agent here in Dallas does a pretty good job at staying in touch with me, but schedule, like sending an email to schedule up an annual check-in, like, often kind of falls flat because I don't like scheduling things via email. So like if there's an app to communicate that, um, I probably move a little bit faster. Yeah. Right. All right. So multi, we've talked a lot about the announcements, um, the series B one, 
uh, presence, co-pilot. Let's go back to the founding story. When, when did you start luxury presence? What were you trying to solve for at the time? Yeah. So I grew up in a small town in Germany and came to the US when I was 20 years old on a basketball scholarship to go to college. And since then, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. So Luxury Presence is the third company I've started. And entrepreneurship is the reason why I got to build a life here in the US. I feel like I got to live the American dream in some way. And when I first got exposed to real estate, it was through an agent here in Beverly Hills. Her name is Jade Mills. She's the number one agent for Coldwell Banker and has sold over $7 billion worth of real estate. And is this incredibly impressive entrepreneur and just a really inspiring person. And so I met her and learned about the business from her and quickly realized that real estate agents are the ultimate entrepreneurs. And I really enjoy helping people build and scale their business. And so I wanted to build a company in this space uh, to help real estate agents, to help entrepreneurs scale. And that was the starting point. So a lot of the inspiration came from working with Jade Mills, learning about the business from her, sitting in her office for several months, learning everything she was doing. And then we built the first version of the product. Two years later, we raised our first round of venture funding. And since then, we've scaled rapidly to now over 600 team members and 9,000 clients. It's um, When you talk about building a career in real estate, one of the things that stood out to me like reading about you and talking to other folks that know you is how deep your network is in, in real estate. And I, I kind of noticed that you you brought in some big names into this most recent round um, with Spencer Raskoff and, and Tom Ferry. Uh, obviously, you have a network with some of the top agents in the U.S. Tell me about how did you kind of you know plant your flag in real estate and start to build this network that's not only supported you and understanding the needs of the real estate agent, but also meeting the people that helped you propel this business forward. Yeah. In the beginning, I had no contacts at all. And I just tried to be useful and create products and services that some of the top agents would find value in. And through that experience, I did all the sales myself. I was deeply involved with the product development. I spent a lot of time first with Jade and then with other clients. And what I found is agents are more than willing to introduce you to other agents if they like the product and if they see the results. And so that's what happened. We got a lot of positive word of mouth and a lot of these investors we have on the cap table now really came through those early introductions of people saying, hey, this is an awesome company. I believe in it. I believe in the founder and I'm going to open you know doors for you. The other thing that uh, happened along the way is I got my MBA from Stanford Business School and through the Stanford network, got to meet a lot of VCs, went to school with some people who had been VCs before. And so my, my network in Silicon Valley, Valley you know, certainly benefited from, from that experience. And that's how I got in touch with Bessemer. They've led the last two rounds. And yeah, that's how we were able to find some of these tech investors. Another thing that stands out is the marketing. We started talking about that on Copilot a little bit earlier. So like going through demos of the, the luxury pl presence platform, the new Copilot platform, it's, it's, a, it's a gorgeous experience, but the, the marketing also tells an awesome story. How have you thought about design from a product perspective and design from a marketing and brand perspective? And like how have those played into the strategy? Design has been part of our DNA from day one because we started in the luxury market. So we had to be excellent at design in order to meet the requirements of someone like Jade Mills. 
right? Her marketing has to look top notch. And therefore we invested in a design team from the very start. It's also a passion of mine. I love working with designers. Uh, it's one of the things that attracted me to the space, the, the aesthetics, the art and creative side of staging a home and architecture and, you know, so much of it is design driven. And so that's where we got our start. And so we've kept that going and we've continued to find really amazing designers. I really believe we have the best design team in the industry because we've focused on it as a competitive advantage. And you see it in the user interface of Presence Copilot. You see it obviously in the websites we build. And we've always felt that this is really important specifically in this industry. Um, and our design team just does a, does a fantastic job. So I, I can't take any credit for that. Um, they're really fantastic at what they do. As a founder, how, how did you start there? Like what was the position you looked for? What were like kind of the qualities you were looking for as you started building this internal capability and around, I assume initially around one or two people? Yeah, we looked for people with great taste and with a passion for the craft. And it's not easy to screen for, but I've done sort of real time interviews where I have them give me their opinion on a few websites we've built and tell me what they like, what they don't like to assess, do they have really great taste? And then the craft is incredibly important. So you really want a designer who, you know, staying up late at night because they love design so much that they just constantly have to do it. It doesn't feel like work to them. Um, so that's what I would look for in those initial designers. And we got very fortunate that um, our VP of design decided to join us. She was at Airbnb before and had been in the agency world for a long time. So she came on and then hired a lot of world-class designers um, who are on the team now. Okay. So how does that carry through to the, the marketing? Is there a, do you have a CMO on the team who works closely with like product design or those kind of operate independently? You know, we've, at this point, we've hired a full executive team and I've sort of hired myself out of a job. And the one team I still oversee is the marketing team. That's my self-taught background. Um, it's what I enjoy doing. And uh, we will hire a, a VP of marketing or CMO sometime in the next year. But right now, it's still a department that I work with directly. As a CEO, do you find it uh, uh, difficult or, or enjoyable to kind of like manage a team of marketers without having that like VP or executive role in there and like... and yeah, give me give me a little feel there. That's, that's something I think about often as an executive. Yeah, it's a challenge. I have a director who does a lot of the people management, so that's something I was able to to hand off. But the strategy and high level planning work I still do and really enjoy. And I find that as long as I focus on work that I really enjoy, um, it gives me more energy as a founder and. That's how I have decided what to delegate and what to focus on. And it's such a long journey building a business is, right? I've been doing this now for seven, eight years and, you know, fingers crossed, this continues to go really well. At some point, we want to take this company public. It's probably another, you know, five to 10 year journey. And that means uh, I have to do the things that give me energy as a founder, find my zone of genius. And um, for me, that's, marketing strategy and, and working on, um, some of those, you know, larger campaigns like this product launch. So like, 
working with a director that helps oversee the junior talent is kind of the tool that gives you the ability to do interviews like this and go out and fundraise and work on product at the same time as still having like day-to-day or or week-to-week strategic oversight over like marketing and brand. Yeah, that's right. Um, And the fact that I have a a really excellent, very experienced senior leadership team in place with executives like our chief customer officer, Carla Nichols, she's been an executive for 25 years. She's scaled three businesses to a hundred million plus. So I have folks like her who are really taking care of all of the operational side of things. And then on the technology and R&D side, we have a number of very seasoned execs. Jesse Peterson, our CTO, we just hired last year. He was at Autodesk, ran a 500-person engineering org. Before that, sold his business to Autodesk for $300 million. So I'm fortunate in having this type of talent and experience around me, which allows me to um, you know, really focus on the things that I'm good at, a lot of the external things, managing the board, obviously managing the exact team and then the role that I play within the marketing team. As you've hired such an experienced executive team, have you had any learnings that you can share of like, when do you let go of the reins and empower them to run forward versus kind of like, you know, staying involved with recognition that you've hired people that are better and more experienced than you? Like how, how has that been as a, as a founder and any like learnings that, that you think about? Yeah. You have to hire people that are better than you if you want to scale. And I realized that pretty early and I focused on the functions that I least wanted to do that were drains on my energy. And I found the best possible person I could find in my network and I tried to recruit them. And especially in the early days, recruiting and fundraising are the number one and two jobs, in my opinion, of a founder. So I focused on finding people better than me giving them the vision, telling them directionally where we want to go, and then getting out of their way and letting them figure out how to get there. That's worked really well for us. I think our leaders enjoy working here because of that autonomy. And I think if you hire a leader and then try to micromanage or or, or get in their way, you're really wasting what you've hired them for. Um, So yeah, that's, uh, that's been my approach. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, Malti, you've, you've talked a few times about your interactions with agents and some of the, the partnerships and feedback loops you've developed with lead, leaders like Jade. Can you give us a glimpse into what you're hearing from agents about the market environment that, that they're operating in today, um, which we know as we, we're in Q3 2023 right now, um, low inventory, high mortgage rates, um, impacting people differently, but I'm curious what you're hearing from the agents that you serve at Luxury Presence. Yeah, many agents say inventory constraints are their biggest challenge right now. And it does differ. There are some markets where agents are quite optimistic. They feel like things have picked back up. And some markets where it's still very challenging because of the inventory constraint and then obviously mortgage rates being where they are. I think the positive So the silver lining on the horizon is what we're seeing with inflation. Those numbers obviously have come down significantly. And the hope is that the Fed will start to ease up and we'll see mortgage rates come down because one thing has to change, right? The supply side probably isn't going to change that much um, given where mortgage rates are. People don't want to move if they finance at a 2%, 3% mortgage rate. And until mortgage rates come down, I don't think we'll see that change. So um, overall, it's, it's mixed. Depends on the market. 
but there's more optimism certainly than there was six months ago. Um, that's, that's very clear. And we have seen an uptick in the data we track. We obviously have 9,000 real estate clients and we see the transaction volume based on their data. And that's picked up for the last, you know, two, three months now in a row. Yeah. I wonder how much of the pickup is the, the traditional summer seasonality and how much of the pickup is um, people starting to digest the rate environment and get comfortable with the fact that uh, this is where they're going to be transacting, at least for the time being. One of the sources of optimism that I've heard from agents and, and loan originators alike is this more challenging environment tends to kind of wash out the passerbys and wash out the part-timers and um, potentially creating more opportunity in this market and the next leg of the cycle for the true dedicated professionals that are, you know, here, cycle in, cycle out. Do you, do you hear about that often? I do. And the advice I give to agents is don't focus on year over year growth. Chances are you're going to have a down year and that's normal. This is the, the normal market cycle. Focus on market share. And this is an absolutely an amazing opportunity for agents to grab market share, even if they're having a down market, a down year, because so many agents that aren't as serious about the business are going to leave the industry. And those that stick around and the ones that are serious will benefit. Um, the other thing we're seeing that's really interesting is because companies are pulling back on ad spend, it's gotten a lot cheaper to acquire customers. So cost per lead is down significantly really across all markets. So if you want to build a database, if you want to generate a lot of leads very cheaply, now is actually a great time to do that. Oh, that's really interesting. Where are you advising agents kind of focus their, their consumer marketing spend? What are there any um, channels that are, you know, more impacted by this pricing opportunity? We see it across all major platforms. So Facebook, Instagram ads, and Google search ads both have seen this downward trend on cost per lead. Now, these are internet leads, so they take time to nurture. And generally speaking, Google leads are going uh, to have a shorter um, window. They're going to have higher intent, so they're going to be a little bit higher quality. Whereas Facebook leads, you may have to nurture them 12, 18 months. And in this market, maybe even longer. So the mindset for agents in this market is build a database, nurture that database with valuable content over time. And these will become future clients if you do that. Um, the opportunities in terms of channels, I think, are YouTube ads, just underutilized by agents for whatever reason. So if you're creating video content, you really should be running YouTube ads. And LinkedIn as a platform, it's been around for a long time, but organic reach, if you write thought leadership type, longer form text content, performs incredibly well. We still get amazing reach, way better reach than on, say, Instagram or Facebook. Are, are you talking about organic or paid on LinkedIn? Organic on LinkedIn okay, and paid on YouTube running pre-roll ads. Those are the two that I think are most overlooked and are well-established platforms. So you don't have the platform risk that you have with something like threads where who knows if it's going to succeed. Sure. You can get the organic reach, but it may not be around in a year from now. Yeah. I'm, I'm there, but I, I'm not investing too much time. This, this is really helpful for me, Malti. I mean, we just had a call yesterday about our housing, our annual marketing strategy and our 
gentleman, Andrew, who's guiding us on some of our, our paid spend, um, was suggesting YouTube and we just hadn't done it before. So like that, uh, might be a channel we, we flex on to get housing wire annual in front of more agents and, um, and originators that we're targeting. The other one I have to mention is, uh, local, uh, um, Google, my business or Google business profile. Now, um, it's incredibly powerful and agents really should be getting all of their reviews on the Google business profile page and optimize their website to show up for those local searches, like realtor near me, because it's not that hard to rank for. And it's again, just a, a really good opportunity. I think the advice that you're giving right now apply, obviously applies to agents, but should equally apply to, to loan originators and their consumer marketing efforts. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Same thing. We're, so we're about, 65 days out, uh, well, I guess the day of recording now, but we have housing wire annual coming up on October 10th and we do have some marketing segments and I'm, I'm kind of thinking we might need to, uh, uh, pivot one of those to talking about lead gen. Cause so much of the last year, year and a half has been, the narrative has been like lead gen is dead. Um, all of like the consumer direct mortgage lenders and consumer direct strategies are relying on lead gen just kind of fell off the face of the earth when refi fell off and lead gen just hasn't got as much focus, but purchase lead gen is probably something that should get more attention. Um, interesting. Might have to consult you on, uh, build, building this segment. Cause it feels like something that our audience would benefit from at, at housing wire annual. Yeah. I'd love to do that. All right. So multi as, as we wrap up the conversation, let, let's look ahead a little bit. So you brought this brand new product to market presence co-pilot. What else are you seeing on the horizon in terms of innovation and real estate tech? Is there anything that you have on the the roadmap that um, conceptually, you know, not a product launch I want you to share right now, but like conceptually anything your eyes are on or anything you see in the industry where there's like innovation that we should be paying attention to? Yeah, the, the big shift right now in technology is AI. And I see it on par with the invention of the internet, invention of email, mobile phones. This is as significant of a technology shift, which means those of us who lean in and are early in how we use it in our businesses are going to profit enormously. And what we're trying to do is give agents access to these AI tools that can really save them a lot of time and make their day-to-day so much easier. And that's what we're doing with Presence Copilot. I mentioned some of those AI-powered features. We have AI-powered lead nurturing launching later this year. So leads you're getting from your website, the AI can engage with. And in the past, we've decided not to do that because luxury agents in particular are very particular about what goes out to anyone who reaches out to them. And the AI now is good enough where it is indistinguishable from a human and it's only going to get better. So my advice here would just be, be curious about this. Don't be afraid. That's this great quote. AI won't replace your jobs. People using AI will replace your jobs. So be the person using AI. So do you think, I think the attention on AI started through chat GPT and the, um, like the, the blogs and articles and podcasts about how agents use AI has kind of been around, like write your listing description and like stuff like that. Is, is that a good, is that a value add starting point? Is that the, like the right way people should be thinking about AI to become more familiar or um, is that end up being kind of a sideshow distraction to like the ultimate technological capabilities that um, agents will be using in 12, 18, 36 months, whatever it is. 
Yeah, it's definitely a good starting point to think about these simple generative AI tools and start using some of them to see, does it save you some time when you're writing a listing description? So I think it's definitely a good way to dip your toes in the water. This is going to go way beyond that over the coming years, right? It's not just going to be some nice little tool that you use to create copy. It will be a tool that can make decisions for you. It'll be a tool that can complete tasks for you fairly independently. So you really can think of AI over the coming years like an assistant in your pocket who you can talk to and tell it to do things for you. And think about all of the admin work you do in your business every day. For a lot of agents, it's half their time. And so you can get that time back and spend it with clients, spend it on the value add time that, that, um, or the value add parts of your business. And so that's what we're trying to do and absolutely where I think AI is going to go. A lot of technology like kind of comes through the brands and franchises and, and brokers. Do you think it's an agent's responsibility to pay attention to AI right now? And if they wait around for their broker to like bring these tools forward, is that probably not too late or where do you think like research should lie and where agent attention should be? I don't think it's too late at all because this shift really just started six months ago. Sure. That was AI before, but now these language models are available and that's why you're seeing all of this innovation and it's reached this threshold where suddenly it's good enough and we're still extremely early. There's still a ton of opportunity. I absolutely think agents should see this as part of their responsibility because if you're an agent, you're an entrepreneur, you're the CEO of your own business. And as a CEO, you have to pay attention to the innovation in the space and you have to find every competitive advantage you can um, for yourself and for your team. So I would pay attention to it and find ways to incorporate it. Malti, thank you so much for sharing your entrepreneurial journey. Congrats on the, the recent B1 and the launch of Copilot. Really excited to see this new product get off the ground and uh, excited to see how you convert this uh, four-figure wait list that has uh, built up in less than 24 hours. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And anyone listening, if you want to join the wait list to learn more about Presence Copilot, you can go to luxurypresence.com slash copilot and sign up for the wait list there. Awesome. And I'm going to shoot you a note about Housing Wire Annual. There's a lot that we talked about today that fit well in with the, the agenda. So maybe some opportunities for us to collaborate. Malti, have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please take a few seconds to rate Housing News on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot for the show, and we really do appreciate and listen to your feedback. Also, we're gearing up for Housing Wire Annual in October. Please visit housingwire.com forward slash events for full details about our big annual event in Austin, Texas. Texas.